0: Um, When I preach, I like to share stories. Stories illustrate, helps me to understand what's going on. So today, the entire sermon is going to be a story. Actually, it's going to be two stories. Um, They are both completely true, and uh, they are documented. They happened about 700 years apart, but they tie together nicely. Have you ever said something to the effect of, God, could I just have a sign? Of course you have. We all have. Our stories look at two guys, two very different guys, each of whom got a sign from God. The first guy was a king. King Ahaz. He became king as a young man. And he was not a particularly good king. In fact, he was a vile tyrant who sacrificed his own children to the pagan god Moloch. But nonetheless, he was a king. King of Judah. Judah, in the Holy Lands, Judah is like the south part of God's promised land. So, right or wrong, King Ahaz is the leader of of God's people. The second guy we're going to look at was not a king, far from it. He was an ordinary worker bee, a regular Joe. He was a skilled laborer who, as a young man, learned hard work and basic carpentry skills, probably from his father. He also learned right from wrong, probably from both parents. He learned to love and serve the one true God. Not pagan idols or or the false gods of our own making that tend to cloud our judgment. Okay, back to our first guy, King Ahaz. King Ahaz of Judah. Now, Judah was the south part of, of the promised land. The north part was the kingdom of Israel and then north of that was the kingdom of Syria. Israel and Syria both also had lousy kings who hated each other, but had banded together because they were facing an even worse king from the king of Assyria, who was, frankly, the worst of the lot. Um, Ahaz king of Judah to the south, would not join with Israel and Syria to the north. So Syria and Israel got together and invaded Israel. And now Judah and king Ahaz are in big trouble. The kingdom of Judah is in big trouble. The invading armies are literally at the gates of Jerusalem. But they have a secret. They have a secret so powerful, not even the king can grasp it. You see, Judah was the land of the Jews, God's chosen people. God loved them and would not forsake them. Ahaz couldn't grasp the idea of God helping him, so God sent him a messenger. To tell him, God sent the prophet Isaiah, who we heard from first thing this morning. So, Isaiah shows up in the courts of King Ahaz and says, You're in big trouble. But I've got good news. You have hope. Now, God is not pleased about you messing about with all this pagan business. And to tell you the truth, he was particularly heartbroken when you burned your own children. But the one true God, the God of our fathers, who saved us from slavery, loves his people. He loves you. He wants to save his people. Even you. Now, God knows that you're not just hard-hearted. He knows that you're also... Hard-headed. So, he has given you permission, King Ahaz. No, not permission. He has given you instructions to choose any sign you can think of. And he'll do it for you. Ahaz could have had anything, including the wiping out of his enemies. God says you can test him Put him to the test. You can ask anything you want to put him to the test. Now, on an aside, remember I love my asides because they help tie together the entire story that God has for us. On an aside, there's only one other place in Scripture that God permits us, no, instructs us to test him. It's from the prophet Malachi... Uh, God says that if we tithe, he will bless us with more riches than we can imagine. The words are pretty clear, so I took him up on it. I personally put God to the test. I, In a step of faith, I put 10% of my family's finances in God's hands. What did I find? What I found was God keeps his promises every time, exactly like he said. So if you're not tithing or or actively working to that goal, I urge you to put God to the test in this because he has more in store for you than you can even imagine. So back to Ahaz. Ahaz, who did not trust God, he responds to the prophet Isaiah, Nah, I don't think so. I will not put God to the test. At first blush, Ahaz sounds a bit pious. Kind of like when Jesus told Satan, Thou shalt not put the Lord thy God to the test. Except Jesus said it because he loved trusted God. Ahaz loved himself and did not trust God. So Ahaz turns down God's offer of salvation and at this point, Isaiah just totally loses his cool. And he shouts at him, it's not enough that you're a lousy, rotten king to your people, but now you're going to treat God like this too? But God doesn't lose his cool. God does not give up on his people. God responds by saying, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. I'm going to send you a sign to show you that I love you. This wasn't just King Ahaz. This is every single one of this. God said, I'm going to send you a sign to show you that I love you and that I am with you in your strife. I'm going to send you a savior who will be born of a virgin, and he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. The story of Ahaz goes on, but this chapter finishes with Ahaz, who wouldn't acknowledge God to save his own skin, was still saved by God when Pekah, the king of Israel, and Rezin, the king of Syria, are both assassinated and they're all overrun by the king of Assyria. So it was a happy ending. <laughs> but Ahaz couldn't see God in this, he only saw that which was supportive of his own way of thinking. Now, by contrast, let's turn to our second story the one about a regular guy a regular Joe, not King Joseph, Carpenter Joseph. You probably know this story better. I'm sure you've heard a lot more about Joseph and Mary than you ever heard about King Ahaz. You know that Joseph and Mary are engaged and legally considered husband and wife, but in accordance with their laws and their customs, um, not yet fully married. They still live apart, during a one-year period of their engagement. I like to picture this as their time to make their private plans together and, and to get to know each other. During this time, Mary, while remaining a virgin, becomes pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now she at the wise old age of 14, has to tell Joseph. And Joseph, probably in his 20s, we don't know for sure, has to figure out what to do. What to do. What to do. The law is clear about what to do. Joseph is legally and honor bound to marry a virgin. Mary is pregnant. Ergo, not a virgin. So he cannot marry her. He is not obligated to make a public demonstration of all of this, but the laws and the customs of the time about the the breaking of an engagement encourage him to do so, so that it might discourage others from wandering off the path. But if he does so, if he makes a public display of Mary and her situation, Mary would be declared an adulteress and could be executed. I like to imagine how during their walks together, making plans, getting to know each other, Joseph has come to realize that Mary is a very special young woman. and Joseph has fallen in love with her. He's lucky to have her, and now he's going to lose her. He desperately wants to hold her. He desperately wants to believe her, but pregnant is pregnant. And all he knows for sure is that he didn't do it. As frightened as she must have been, he was having his heart ripped out. He may have to lose her, but he doesn't have to hurt her. So he resigns himself to the inevitable that he must dismiss her, essentially divorce her, but he'll do it as quietly and discreetly as possible. You can imagine him sitting awake for nights after nights trying to sort this out. I picture a young man in a a sleepless haze trying hopelessly to focus on a piece of wood on his workbench. And somewhere in the midst of his mind wandering in and out of consciousness, he has a vision, a dream. This is from Matthew. Quote, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Now, you all remember from when you were a child, if your mama used your whole name, this, this is business. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Well, he snaps out of his stupor. He doesn't think twice about his problems. God said, don't be afraid, I've got this. Joseph runs to find Mary, who's probably still at home crying, and he tells her to hell with the laws, to hell with how much time is left on our one-year engagement. You are my wife, and you're coming with me. God is with us. Can you imagine how Mary felt? She trusted God from the beginning. When Gabriel came and said to her, you're going to get pregnant. And she said, well, how's that? Gabriel said, God's going to sort it out. And she said, whatever God wants is okay by me. She trusted God from the beginning. But we might forgive her if she is understandably having some difficulty keeping her faith in these prevailing circumstances. Now, God has blessed her and Joseph more than they could ever imagine. And everybody who's a parent knows that every child is more of a blessing than you could ever have imagined. And all the more for their child. The same sign was given to King Ahaz and Carpenter Joseph and is given to you and to me. The virgin has conceived and has born a son. And he is Emmanuel, God with us. What are you going to do with that sign? Now, dumb, selfish, self-centered Ahaz trusted only in himself and what he could manage on his own. Ahaz tried to solve his problems by turning away from God and doing things his way, not God's way. Joseph trusted in God and in God's promises of more than he could imagine. Joseph accepted what God had in store for him and moved forward in faith. Here's how you prepare for the coming of our Lord. Don't be a dumb Ahaz. Be a regular chap.